Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this. Uh, I'm very excited about the podcast we have for you today. Uh, This is going to be the first of what I hope, Lord willing, will be many discussions related to missions. I know that's very broad, but we're going to break it down each session into an aspect of missions that I think needs to be talked about and, and needs to be worked out that as an individual, I need to think about and hash out and work through and and uh, uh, plan to apply to my own life. And then um, and, and then I hope it will benefit and help many of you. Now, to bring along with me to do this is going to be missionary Keith Stences, who's been doing this for about 25 years now. Uh, he's been a tremendous blessing to my family and I. And, and in my estimation, he, he has come to be an excellent missionary. But he's had to go through the ups and downs and the pains to arrive there. Uh, it, it, you know, it wasn't just a finished product when he arrived in Uganda 25 years ago. Uh, but he's been willing to make the changes necessary uh, to to end up leaving what looks like will be a lasting work here in Uganda. Now, the topic this month is going to be on dependency versus self reliance. It's a it's a very gravitational topic. There are lots of strong opinions. Uh, about the idea. And so we're going to try and hash that out this morning. Now, dependency is often thought of in terms of substance abuse, but it is a much broader phenomenon. Not only so, but it, but it spreads as quickly as a virus from China. No, no, uh, uh, well, you know what that's about. Debilitating its host people or country. In our context, dependency refers to an unnatural and unhealthy attachment to others. When strong and capable men find themselves willfully beholden to the sway and influence of outsiders. Thus far, external political forces in Africa have created a a continent of perpetual dependency, maybe even by design. But that is not to say Africa played no role in its state of being. Too often, the oppressed bear as much blame as the oppressor. But what about Christianity's role in this matter? By use of the term Christianity, I mean in the biblical sense, not in the world's overly broad and useless employ of religious terminology. The reference is strict to Bible-believing Christianity. The difference is vast. In what way have we compelled the souls of foreign lands to to, to simply exchange dependencies? 
The conflation of temporal self-interest and spiritual interest is easy for foreign missionaries and political actors, for that matter, to leverage. Even if the intent is wholly good, the result may be a people dependent, not a people helped. Wishful thinking coupled with ambition tends to overcome objective and even biblical thinking. Christians understand all too well the battle that ensues when biblical truth interferes with emotion-based desires. We arrive at our evangelical destination full of zeal and ideas. Then difficulties arise. We learn that things will not go as planned. We then face choices that potentially produce an atmosphere of compromise. Now, human volition plays a significant role in dependency, in every form of dependency. But throwing money at our ideas, especially when those ideas involve the souls of lost men in deep poverty, only tends to tempt them beyond that which they are able. How do we arrive in the third world ready to save souls, only to find in the end we have created addicts who are not addicted to the ministry, but rather to foreign funds? The moment the source of dependency leaves, the so-called ministry dissipates. We are not accomplishing the lofty spiritual task of the Great Commission by throwing money at souls and situations. We create a dependent people, no more spiritual and no more prosperous. But what of compassion? We create a false sense thereof when we take this approach to spiritual accomplishment. Just as the politician smiles knowing the future ends when the funds cease to flow, Much of the third world's misfortune is the result of personal mismanagement. How then could they benefit from receiving more funds? Genuine compassion is teaching them through biblical principles how to solve their own troubles. That is a biblical means of earning money, biblical principles for managing money, and the blessing that comes when those funds honor and glorify God. In dealing with this topic, we face a complex moral conundrum. How do we manage our spiritual ambition and produce a self-sufficient people dependent to Jesus Christ our Lord? Dependence versus self-reliance. This will be the topic that we'll discuss today. And I have with me missionary Keith Stensis. Let's get started. So I'm here with brother Keith Stensis who is fresh off your 11th bout with malaria? Number 11. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I've, I've got the uh, certificate to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> so how many more times do you plan to, to try? <laughs> try you know what? I'm, I'm trying a new uh, preventative even now. So it's no fun to go through it. So I'm doing everything I can to not go through it again. Right. Well, and you're getting this mostly from Kalito? You know, I don't, I think the first time, well, I've, I've had it twice in the last month. And I think the first time I definitely got it in Kalito. I think the second time it was just kind of a relapse of it. Cause right. yeah, cause if you don't, you know, malaria is in your liver. Uh, that's where the, uh, the parasite is, and if you don't get it out of the liver, then it can. There's been people that have been missionaries here that have actually been back in the states for five, six years, and still get malaria because it it's still in their liver. So, because wow. um, I don't, 
you know, the, the fact is I don't get bit that much. I, I really don't. My wife gets bit all the time. Really? And she never has had malaria. So well, it's see, just strange. Well, that I mean, uh, many of the missionaries I've met that live in Masaka, many, I mean, the few that I've met that live in Masaka, they they haven't really gotten it. Yeah. You know the the Petersons have been here like seventeen, eighteen years yeah. now, and and the last I had talked to them about it, they had never got it. none of them had ever gotten right. it. Right, and uh, your family's never gotten it. No, nope. your your wife and children have never gotten. What's it. interesting is my dad was here, my mom, my mom and dad, my two brothers and their families, and the only ones who've had malaria is my dad, my two brothers, and myself. Really, none of our wives have had it. None of our kids have had it. Your sister. My sister has not had it. Sharon? Uh, I think she has. <laughs> Sharon probably so, probably spreads but it. It's that. just, it's just I, there's no explanation for it. I, I don't know because, again, I, I hardly ever get bit. I mean, I my wife get my wife can have one finger out of the covers, and she's going to get bit on that <laughs> finger. And uh, I, I typically don't because I get hot at night, so I don't even sleep with covers and uh, very seldom get bit. But... You're right. When I was up in Calido, um, a couple weeks, usually it takes a couple weeks for it to come to fruition, but uh, I did get bit quite a bit up there. It was just just swarms of mosquitoes up there. Well, I, I don't I, I don't recall I don't recall us having that much trouble with mosquitoes when I was up there with you back in there. There wasn't, and the guys were telling me that a lot of time when the maize is growing up um, and it gets about five six feet tall. Right. A lot of the mosquitoes like to live in the maze, and so they, they were telling me that typically when that maze is getting close to being harvested is when you see a lot of influx of mosquitoes. So hopefully when I go up there next time, they'll have it all cut down. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that Uganda would invest in, you know, as best they could. You know, I, I remember even growing up, the trucks that would drive up and down our neighborhoods yeah. spraying for right. mosquitoes, at least in the... You know the areas where people are are living, you know, collectively. Yeah, together. you know, I was, <clears throat> I'd like to do a study on it sometime, just to for my personal information. But you know, somehow we eradicated because malaria used to be big in the South in the right. states, right. and and somehow it was eradicated. You know, we still have mosquitoes, but no malaria. No malaria, right? And so I don't know why countries can't learn from that or figure out what they did. Sure. Well, you know, I. I <laughs> I just saw an article a couple of days ago that said the World Health Organization has declared China malaria-free. Wow, that's exciting. <laughs> Wonder when they'll declare them COVID-free. <laughs> <laughs> so, now our topic today is it's the idea of dependence versus self-reliance, and this is a common top topic. You know, it, it, when you get in on when you get on deputation as a missionary and you start going from church to church and uh, sometimes you meet pastors or other missionaries who are a little more interested in kind of the philosophical aspects of right. of missions, and this is one of the topics that that commonly comes up, and it can even be heated. Right. Um, I, I have brothers who they say if your church is not what they call indigenous, then you're ungodly, right. <laughs> and, right. and you and the work that you have is is no good. And you know there there is an some truth to that idea, not not that it's ungodly, but that it should have it should be to some extent or to, to for the most part indigenous. But then there's the other side of it um, where they're so dependent upon the missionary that it stands or falls right. with that missionary being there. Right. And so, 
we want to kind of, you know, I wanted to kind of hash this out and talk about it a little bit. You've had a lot of experience with it. You've been on the upside of it and the downside of it, I believe, is yes. is fair to say. And and uh, you've had to make some corrections over time. And we're going to talk about that to- more towards the end of the of the lesson. But first, I guess let's start by defining what is dependence right. in in terms of missions. Um, you know, what does that mean? Now, the the word dependence. I I I found about eight definitions. I brought six of them with me. And, and I want to read them real quick just to, you know, kind of lay out some context. Number one is a state of being at, at the disposal of another, a state of being subject to the will of, of an intelligent cause or to the power of an operation of any other cause, inability to sustain itself without the aid of, of another. The second one is reliance, confidence, trust, arresting on, as we may have firm dependence on the promises of God. And then the state of relying on or being controlled by someone or something else. And then the next one is subjection to the direction or disposal disposal of another, inability to help or provide for oneself. And then that on which that on which one depends or relies as he was her sole dependence. And then finally bringing us to the realm of addiction, being abnormally tolerant to and dependent on something that is psychologically or physically habit forming, especially alcohol or narcotic drugs. Now, to some extent, most of those are negative, but not all of them. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, dependence can be negative, but not always. Mm -hmm. So how would you define dependence in terms of the work of, of missions? Well, I think there's one thing you have... In missions, you, there's one thing you have to always remember is that every mission field is a different ball field. Right. All right. right. And so you, you've you got a different, you know, dependence is relative. Right. What may be dependence here would not be dependence in Europe sure. and, and vice versa. So I think each missionary has to determine uh, for themselves. They've got to look at the situation. They've got to get some counsel. They've got to talk to the people and, and determine because – when you come into a situation, you, you've got to have the mindset of the location where you're at. And this is what I've, what I've talked to a lot of missionaries about is there are principles of missions. There's principles that, that apply in every area you go sure. to. But when you talk about dependency and when you talk about um, relying on a missionary, relying on somebody, it's going to be very different from here as it would be in England because typically – a lot of times the people that you're reaching, let's say if you're in the country of England, are going to be making more, if not the same, is what the missionary is bringing in many times. And so the missionary could pretty much, if if he if his home pastor wanted to, he could tithe to that church, he could give mission to that church, and it wouldn't affect that church at all. And so one day when that missionary leaves, it's not going to affect the church at all. Sure. But you come here to Uganda and you start tithing in one of these churches and you find that your tithe is you know many times it yes. could be 10 times more than the whole congregation right. all right uh, just because of the resources available and so i think that's the first thing you need to look at but when we talk about dependency i think uh, i i try to always think to myself in every decision i make regarding the churches here can this be sustained if I leave, 
All right, let me give you one example. Um, our guys many times have said, Pastor, we need. To, it would be great to have a church van. And uh, that way we could go to these other villages and and uh, and pick up people for church, and and people say, well, that's a great idea. I mean, most most churches have church vans, you know, so let's let's do that. Well, okay. So first of all, who's paying for the fuel? Sure. Who's paying for the insurance? Right. Who's paying for the upkeep? Right. Now they're expecting me to do that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we start bringing, and we we saw this happen years ago in this church because we had another missionary who was here that bought a van, and we saw that very thing happen. Filled the van up. People love to come in a van, sure. all right? But then when that missionary left, we lost all those people, right. all right? Because the church could not sustain and keep a van running and keep the expenses running. So a lot of times in our minds, I try to think to myself, okay, what can I do? Can I give another example? Uh, we've had people come over uh, and want to do big vacation Bible schools, okay? And I have nothing against vacation Bible schools. I think they're wonderful. But you come over here and you say, okay, you, we want the prizes and we want the rewards and we want all of the decorations and all this kind of stuff. Well, you and I have that mind for that. But when you come in this culture, there's not that mind and they cannot keep that going. And so... You're, you're going to do that while you're here, but can it be done when you're gone? And so I think in, in my idea of dependency is dependency is not uh, reaching out and helping and assisting. And I think we can do that in many cases and, and be wise in doing that. But you want to ask yourself, is what I'm doing, whether it's starting a ministry or whether it's starting a program or whatever, can that be done if I'm gone? Right. And if it can't be done, then maybe I need to look at it something else differently uh, because that ministry is depending on me, and therefore when I leave, it's going to die. Sure. And, uh, and so, so I think that's kind of the – when I look at dependency, I look at it in a way is can this – continue when I'm not there. Sure. And, you know, I've had a lot of people come over, why, why don't you have this? Why don't you have right. that? Right. And yes, I could do that, okay? But if something happened to me and if I it, it would die and the church would be discouraged because, again, one of the hardest things to do is go from a missionary to a national leadership because a lot of times he feels inferior because he cannot do everything that the right. missionary was doing all along and so the people then they don't really like him, they don't respect him, they don't, you know, why why can't you do what we've been doing? And and really all along it's been it's because the church and the people have been dependent sure. on the missionary to handle all these things. And when he's gone, it's just it's gonna collapse. Right. Well uh, no, that's so that the all that fits together with the the idea you started with that it's not you know, we when we have these conversations, people are so dogmatic. Mm -hmm. You have to do it this way and you have to do it that way. And that's a, ultimately, it's going to be a destructive idea. You, right. you can't, there, there are some, there are obviously general biblical principles that we can't compromise on. We can't change. Right. It's not, it's not up to our opinion, but then it comes to the practical outworking of all that when you get to where you are and you're dealing with those people. And if, if you don't, consider the people that you're working with and what they're capable of doing, you end up getting yourself in a big mess and, right. and creating something that's un unsustainable for them. And, and that's generally where these conversations end up going is, but my experience and my idea must be superior to what yeah, everybody else right. thinks. And, and, you know, as a new missionary coming here, I appreciate having your help and, and being able to talk to you about these things because 
you do come with a lot of exciting ideas and you think you're going to, mm-hmm. you know, take the whole world on and, and, and everybody's just going to fall at your feet and trust in Jesus yeah. Christ. And it's not going to work out that right, way. Right. And you need someone who's been around who can temper your ideas and your excitement and your zeal and, and help kind of guide it and nudge it in the right direction yeah. before you make a mess of things. Right. And sometimes people, you know, most missionaries don't have the luxury that my wife and I have in coming here to work with you. And, and there are other missionaries here in Masaka that we can talk to and, 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 uh, and, and ask questions. And some people just have to go and figure it out. Yeah. And, We'll pray for those people. <laughs> well, and and the reason for that many times is because it's it's it becomes frustrating because you have so many ideas and you say, man, this could work. And we did this in our home church in the states, and we did that, and you know we could do that here, and 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 so it gets frustrating because you realize you have to back up a little bit. You've sure. got to slow down yeah. and you let to admit you're, you were wrong. Well, to some degree, right. but you've got to let the you've got in our case you've got to let the Ugandan people do it in their way. And sometimes you know that what that's like, it's very (laughs) frustrating because it takes more time. It's not as professional as we would like it to be, but it's going to, that it's the way they do it. And and it's the way they're going to continue to do it when you and I are gone. And uh, so we can't expect them to be uh, to a level of, of a standard that we want it to be because it's just, it don't matter how long we're here. I've been here 25 years. You're not going to change the mindset. And, and so uh, they've got a way of doing it. And you and I, come on, you could do it a little different this way. It could be faster this way. It could be done better this way. You've said yourself, one of the things you've known since you've been here is they choose to do it the hard way. And you and I, we look at that and yes, there's an easier way to do this, but that's the way they do it. They do. And and they're going to do that when you and I are gone. Right. And so instead of trying to change them, now there are some things, principles that can be changed, but in, instead of trying to change the way they do things and make them do it our way, right. all right, how can I teach them to do it in the way they do it? You know. Well, that and that's the thing that, and and when when looking at that, you stand back and you look at the way that they do things and and the way that they live life, and 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 we're not we're not talking down about them or, or right. to them, right. it, it's just different compared to the, to, to the way that we would do things. But this is what we, that I've always found so amazing is they get things done. Yes. It, it, <laughs> no matter whose life was in danger <laughs> and yep. no matter how much uh, trouble it could have caused and how close to death they came, yep. they get it done. Yep. Uh, it, it's, it's more brute force than it is finesse, but they, they, they have their way of getting things done. And, you very, and, and, and in many ways, they're very resourceful. Right. Taking right. what they, I was just up in Calido and, uh, you know, you and I have an A-frame ladder because we can go buy one. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you John know, made John, <laughs> John made another ladder and I'm up putting guttering on the, on the, on the building we're building and I'm standing on top of it. And I said, Hey, you got to take a picture of this for Brother Thomas yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's just, it's, it's eucalyptus poles nailed together. Yes. It's strong. It works. But it's you and I look at it and we say this is absolutely the most dangerous yeah. thing in the world. It weighs about three hundred pounds, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they get it done now. And but in terms of dependency, from from you know a negative aspect, this last definition being abnormally tolerant to and dependent upon something that is psychologically or physically habit forming, and along with a couple of the other uh, more negative definitions that 
That's ultimately what we're trying to avoid right. and an unhealthy dependence. And we're going to see in a moment in, in just a second, um, there's not supposed to be a complete lack of dependence. Right. And, and a verse that comes to mind when I, when I think about that is first Corinthians 16. And I, and I've done, I've done several podcasts on drug addiction, mm-hmm. on dependence. And, and, and while giving money or, or resources to, to a group of people that you're trying to minister to is not drug addiction. That effect is there. Yeah. And, and that reality is there. They, they, you know, we, it's hard to imagine, especially for Americans, the, 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 the daily lifestyle of the average Ugandan. Right. It is. And, and we're not even just talking about the poverty. It, it, you know, that they live, the, the average American has air conditioning, probably two cars, a smartphone, cable, and that's yeah. poverty in America. Yeah. You, you have, you have no concept yeah. of real poverty until you come somewhere like, like Uganda, but we can't feel sorry for them in that condition. Right. We want to be compassionate. We want to be helpful and we want to, we want to, but we want to teach them biblical principles that would help bring them out of that, mm-hmm. not provide them more handouts mm-hmm. because the world around them has given them more than enough handouts all around the third world. And it's done nothing to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's done very little to help. And so we don't want to become one more free welfare. Handout. Yeah. Yeah. We, we want to become a, a, a source of reliable truth and biblical principle that will allow them where we can change their mindset to, to bring them along and teach them how to, how to fend for themselves. But first Corinthians 16, 15 says, I beseech you, brethren, you know, the house of Stephanas, that it is the first fruits of Achaia and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That's where you start to get into the noticeable difference between a group of people that you have organized together in the hopes of formulating a local assembly, a Bible-believing church, it becomes it, it begins to become very apparent. Are they addicted to ministry? Are they addicted to the Word of God? Right. Are they addicted to Jesus Christ? Or are they addicted to the benefits of being in fellowship with, in Uganda, a Mazungu? Right. And, or someone who, who is being funded to come here and establish a church. And that line is sometimes very difficult to it parse. Is. It is. But... I think more importantly, and I'd like you to maybe talk about a little bit is while it, while there may be an initial excitement to be in fellowship with the missionary, how do you remain patient over time to see how it, how it plays out over time? Because though they may initially be excited and and want to be dependent upon what you could provide over time, Jesus Christ and the word of God may change their heart and that dependence may change and they may take off and flourish, which I'm sure you've seen happen. Yeah. So yeah. how do you maintain that patience and the ba- proper balance throughout that time or even help break an improper dependence over that time? Well, I think um, a, lo- a lot of that takes time and watching, asking God for wisdom. Um, I, I found when I study God's dealing with Israel, Okay, um, over and over and over through the through the uh, Genesis, or Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, the law through Joshua, it's always God. God's always reciprocal. Mm-hmm. If you do this, I'll sure. do this. Sure. Okay, and so 
I, I'm not God, all right? I can't see things perfectly, but what I try to do is sit back and I watch and say, what are they doing? Right. Okay? Yes, God has blessed us with resources that many people don't have, right. okay? And, and that's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to look down and say, well, why do I have this when they don't have? I, I think we need to use the resources God has given us as a channel to be a blessing and help to others. But so, but what I try to do is I try to back up a little bit and say, okay, I want to help them and I want to be a blessing to them, but I don't I don't want them to be dependent on me. Right. So let me watch and see how much they do. Right. And when I see that they are sacrificing and they are working and they are laboring and they're putting uh, their sweat in the game, then I can sit back and say, okay, God's given me these resources. Let me step in and help them a little bit. Sure. All right, not so they're dependent on it. But they're saying, hey, look at, we've done this, and we've sacrificed, and look at how God is blessed with this. And, and so you, you give that, and then you step back and you watch a little bit more. Right. And so by doing that, they're not expecting something. They're not expecting you to do something. And, and as you said before, I, I've had to learn that the hard way. Um, I, as, as, as much as I would love to say I've started this many churches, I can also tell you how many churches I've started that are no longer running or have turned charismatic because when I came to Uganda, I didn't have that philosophy. Right. And, uh, and so, so we've got to, we've got to let the people grow. All right. Uh, one of the greatest uh, examples of this that I've ever read, and it's a book that was written called the indigenous church by uh, Melvin Hodges mm -hmm. and uh, good book. I don't agree with everything he writes, but, um, but one of the examples he gave in the area of missions is he says we've got to constantly be looking at it uh, as as you would think of a greenhouse. Mm -hmm. uh, you can grow something fast. You can grow something beautiful. You can grow a, a lot of it in a greenhouse. Right. But you take away the greenhouse sure. and you let that same plant face the elements, and they're going to die that quickly. That's very good. And so what you've got to do, is, and he's using the example of many times as missionaries were the greenhouse, right. and, and I have seen missionaries come, and they can start church after church after church sure. after church sure. because they're the greenhouse, and they're sponsoring it, and they're putting in this and putting in that. But what I think we need to do is we need to back up, slow down a little bit, take away the greenhouse, let them learn what it means to depend upon God. Let them learn what it means to go through trials and difficulties and, and let those roots grow deep so that when I leave and when you leave, their roots are down. I mean, I, I think of a, a man right now, Pastor um, Sabanja Henry. Mm -hmm. um, great man. He's never been to Bible college. He doesn't know that much English, yeah. but he loves the Lord yeah. and he learns whatever he can learn. And I'm telling you, brother, if I left today, his church and the churches he started, Amen. they're going to keep going. They're not going to miss a beat. Right. Now, do I help them? Yes. As I sit back and watch, I just sent uh, 10 bags of cement to help one of the churches. But what have they done? They just built or made 10,000 bricks yeah. for their building. Yeah. And so I said, all right, let me be a help. And well, a what, what, you know, one, one of the things that, um, that I was really impressed by when I first met you, we met together in Oxford, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you went over was the way you kind of the process you go through when helping these churches, um, when, when you, you know, so, so if, you, if you, if you can, if you don't mind, maybe kind of lay that out a little bit, how that you, you know, like in the case with the cement and the bricks, 
you as a church, go make the bricks and then I will supply you the cement. Maybe, right. you know, tell people how, how you go through that process and how it's helped you to identify. Cause you've had churches who you, you've given that, that, uh, offer to, and they jumped right on it. And you've had churches you've given that offer to, and right. it's taken them years yeah. and they still haven't made yeah. those bricks. And yeah. so maybe kind of hash that out a little bit. And, and I, I think that would be a big help to a lot of missionaries all over the world to, to get an idea of how they can implement something like that. Generally speaking, and again, even here in Uganda, things are different. If, if I was in the capital city, this might be a, a totally sure. different thing. Sure. All right. But I deal mostly in the villages. Uh, that's mostly the men that I work with. And so my first thing is, is I never buy land. Mm-hmm. I say, listen, you've got people that own land, and uh, you don't need a big piece of land for a structure. Uh, You just, even a 50 by 50 piece of land. And so you begin praying that God will give you a piece or that somebody can donate a piece or whatever. And uh, and so I, I don't buy the land. Now, once they get the land, then I encourage them and I say, listen, and, and I come back to scripturally. I mean, when you when you go through the epistles, you go through the book of Acts, mm-hmm. nothing is said about buildings. And so, Absolutely. so I, I try to make sure that that is the least of the emphasis. Sure. And I tell them, listen, you need to build people. The people will build the buildings. Amen. And so my initial thing is, is, all right, get a piece of land that you can meet on. And we'll put up, we'll get some eucalyptus poles. We'll, we'll put up a tarp meet under a mango tree, whatever. And from that point, you begin building your people. As you begin building your people and discipling them, they're getting excited about their own church. Then I say, okay, then the next step that I want you to do is make the bricks. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, again, let me just give you an example. Uh, they came to me, one church came to me one time and said, uh, I said, how many bricks do you need to build their structure? Oh, you know, we need about 50,000 bricks. I said, okay, now you guys are making the bricks. Now, how many bricks do you need? Oh, uh, maybe about 20,000. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> right. that. And uh, so they made 20,000 bricks. And and like you said, I said, all right, you've made the bricks. You put your sweat, your sacrifice. And, I mean, I, I, I was there. The ladies were mixing the mud. The children were carrying the bricks. I mean, the whole church was getting involved and uh, because it's theirs. And uh, and so I'll throw in the cement and because cement is a high-dollar thing. Sure. And so I can help them with that. Once they get the structure raised up, I say, okay, there, you, it is very possible for you to go to the forest or whatever and buy the poles that you need for the roof. I said, if you get all the poles made and uh, get them all stripped and, and, and put the trusses up and everything, I'll help you with the iron sheets. Right. And so it's, it's, doing, it's looking and seeing what can they do and what can I do but at the same time, they're looking at it. This is a blessing from the Lord. So when I go to these churches where we've done this, they don't look at me as right. the one who built their building. Amen. All right? They look at the, we built our building, yeah. and, and God blessed, sure. and, and God provided. And, and we see the same thing in our ministries. I mean, you and I do the same thing when, when we see a project or we see something that needs to be done. We pray and say, God, can you please help us? And, uh, and, and God provides. And that's what I want them to see. I want them to see God provided this. I don't want them to see that the missionary is sustaining. No, that, that's an excellent point because we, I am, the both of us, we are totally reliant on the churches in the U.S. that support us, and it's the same idea. But, but it would be improper for those churches to to go overboard and and just say we want to spoil you and support and take care of every single thing that you're right. doing. It's spread throughout churches, and and you don't you don't want an unholy dependence. Right. 
you know, for us and that direction either. And then we don't want to turn around and create the exact same problem here right. in Uganda and, and dependence. It, it's, it's a tricky thing because, okay. So if you look at this same verse, we just, we just read mm-hmm. who said that the house of Stephanus, they were, they had addicted. First of all, it gives some incredible insight into the reality of addiction as mm-hmm. God sees it. Yes. They addicted themselves. Mm-hmm. And so the mentality today is that when you become addicted to something, it's because you had some, some disease that, that is out of your hands and out of your control, and there's just nothing you can do about it, right. which, of course, is not true. Mm-hmm. It's not true in any realm of, of addiction. And so even when it comes to this type of, of, of dependence and this type of addiction, the, these people addicted themselves to the ministry. Right. Now, this is what, when you read that same passage in its broader context— <clears throat> And, and, and I think a lot of what you've explained is laid out very well in, in this passage. In 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13, 13 through 18, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong, let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now, this is where the idea of dependency gets tricky. And where we have to be careful on how we define it and, 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 and how uh, the problem that I have is I probably go too hard in the other direction. I don't want you to be dependent at all. You know, you need to pull yourself up by your own right. bootstraps and do it yourself. You know, that's, right. that's kind of my mentality, but a lot of people helped me. Yeah. And so it would be improper for me to just completely remove myself and not be helpful whatsoever. But at the same time, I don't want to create a problem of dependency. Yeah. And so, so there's a proper balance, but Paul in 1 Corinthians 16 notes the house of Stephanus and how they had addicted themselves to the ministry. And then this is the instruction he gives to the people at Corinth that you submit yourselves unto such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once you have identified, okay, here are here are people who are their sole interest is my spiritual well-being. Right. They're not in this to, to get something. They're not in this to take something. They're not in this to gain in some way. They are in this because they love Jesus Christ. They love the word of God. And then God tells people, when you find somebody like that, you need to submit yourself to them yeah. because that's where your help is going to come from. That's, that's where your strength is going to come from. And so when you're, when you're and, and, but the problem is, this is not, it's not as apparent as we would like it to be initially. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not always so obvious. You know, we, you know, I, I've lived overseas probably about 10 years of my life, give or take a few. I've, I lived overseas. And this, this idea of people who live in poverty, people who live in the third world, attaching themselves to Americans. Mm-hmm. Whether people like it or not, or you, if you think it's a racist statement, or if you think it's a you know it's not being very kind to indigenous people, I, we don't care. It's not that's not even a consideration. Right. It's a reality that Americans live in a way that the rest of the world could not even understand. Right. God has been unbelievably good to us. Now it appears that we're we're determined as a country to throw all that out the window at this point. But the resources we have, the lives we have in America. It doesn't, it's, I often say we live in Disney world. Mm-hmm. It's unreal yeah. the, the way that we live and, and the way that we sustain our lives. And, and, you know, we have everything we want 
on demand, 24 hours a day. I mean, we just live yeah. in, in, in utter luxury. Even, even if you're the poorest person in America, you still got it good compared to the rest of the world. And so for the, when, when we venture outside of our own country and go into the third worlds, the, the various third world countries, they, they know that. Mm-hmm. They know that that's how we live. And they have a mentality that all Americans are rich. We're not, but compared to them, we are. We we have an abundance compared to many of them, even most of them. And so there's going to be a natural desire to say, man, if I could befriend this person, I might gain in some way. And it's been that way in every country that I've lived in, everywhere I've gone, all over the world. Where, where, where outside the West, mm-hmm. you know, you might broaden the American prosperity, even to the West, the West as a whole, they live in similar conditions, though. I think America is, is probably elevated in its, right. in its prosperity. And so <clears throat> we have to see through all that and maybe even deal with it a little bit and allow it to happen to some extent until we can help bring those people along and help them to see we're not here for your financial prosperity. Right. That's not our aim. Now, we would like you to be financially prosperous. I think that would be a wonderful thing. If you could live the way that we live in America, if you could, if we could somehow change <laughs> the way Uganda functions and help you all to be elevated out of poverty and to bring you into, into the lifestyle we have in America, that'd be wonderful. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to happen. Yeah. And we can't, as individuals, with the support of the churches who sent us here, fix every one of your financial problems and take care of every one of your physical needs. And then to make to 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 even clarify the matter even more, that's not even why we were sent here. Right. We were sent here to start churches right. and to train men how to teach the Bible and how to preach the Bible. And so navigating, and this is a problem that I have, and this is something that that I have to work through in being here and get over and 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 it kind of it's an up and down thing for me. God's telling these people, I want you to be dependent on the people who came to help you spiritually, mm-hmm. to proffer, to profit you spiritually. And that means for me that, that I want to be in that position. I want to be of the house of Stephanus that God is telling people, you look to that guy, he's going to help you spiritually. He's going to strengthen you spiritually. But that may, might mean I have to put up with this back and forth about, yeah. you know, you know, temporal gain yeah. rather than spiritual gain. And, and, and then where the lines are between the two is not even 100% clear. Yeah. Well, and they just, a lot of times the mentality, it, it starts from the very top, from, sure. the, from the president all the way down. Uh, the whole idea many times, and again, I'm talking about a third world country sure. here in Uganda. Sure. The, the amount of money that is brought into this country from the outside to develop roads, to develop this, and and what it is is there is that constant dependence that says, "Look at what the outside can do for us, but we're not willing to do anything sure, for ourselves." Sure. And so that's sometimes what we as missionaries have to face, even here locally, is the the village leaders, the the people in town. They see us as foreigners. They see us from America. What are you doing for our country? Well. well we're starting churches. We're training men. We're helping them become better citizens. We're trying to help them not be drunkards. We're sure. trying to bring them out of prostitution. We're yes, but what are you doing for our country? Right, right. You know, the whole mentality is a different mentality. Where are the is, schools? Where's the, where's the schools? Where's the hospitals? Where's the orphanages? All this kind of stuff. And and I understand that those are social things that help people. But as you said, that's not why God called us here. And so. 
trying to help the individuals to understand that is almost impossible. Uh, Trying to get through their minds that starting churches and soul winning and public ministry and all these things are much more important than roads and schools. And it just, it, the whole, the whole mentality that's ingrained in the Ugandan way of thinking just doesn't make sense. To to what extent is that our fault? And to what extent is that the the political atmosphere the world over? Well, feeling so sorry for Africa that you have to help the poor people. And, And again, I think it goes back to many times, and I use the term missionary very loosely because there's, I can't tell you how many people call themselves missionaries, but missionaries come to the Uganda and there is a certain amount of when you see what you have and you see what they don't have, there is a certain amount of feeling within you of power sure. that says, hey, I can help you get out of this or I can't. I have that power. And, and, and sometimes for, for missionaries, I, it's, it's happened to me before, you know, uh, where you think you have that ability to meet all their needs right. and, 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 and it actually hurts them sure. because... I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to help you with these school fees. I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to help you with that. And so they they get that dependency that says, I am going to, any problem I have, I'm going to be knocking on the missionary's door. Any difficulty I have, I'm going to be knocking on the missionary's door because that's what we have trained them to do. Sure. And so what I have tried to do in our ministry here is I've tried to train them that I am not the bank. I am not the source. Right. And, and I have the freedom and I have the ability to ask God for the wisdom that I need to help who he wants me to help. Because as you said before, there, there's just even, even if you just take one church and you look at the poverty in one church, there's no way that we have the resources to meet sure. all their needs and send all their kids to school right. and help all their medical bills. And, and so I don't want them to be attached to me, but I also want to have them to understand I'm here to work with you. I'm not here to oversee you. I'm not here to uh, take care of all of your needs. I'm here to work with you, and we can work together. And as God provides, we can see things get done. Sure. If God says no to something, then that's that's no. All right, and and that's hard to say sometimes. And and there's been structures that I've set up in my own personal life uh, to help me do that. But sometimes you just have to tell them no, and uh, and. But doesn't God do that with us? Sure. God does not give us everything that we want. Right. And uh, God does not give us everything that we think that we need. Um, he gives us what, what he knows that what we need, what's going to work out the best for us. And so we have to really, really uh, daily ask God for wisdom uh, because and not so much anymore because people have learned me, but when I first came to you, God, it was constant almost every day knocking at the gate, I need this, I need that, I have got this problem, I've got that problem. And you you, you just, you almost got to a point where you're just frustrated sure. and you just wanted to make a public announcement on the radio, <laughs> I'm not the bank, you know, if you need a loan, go to the bank, right. you know. Right. And uh, so... And that, but that, that comes across as lacking compassion, but it's it, it's not. It's, right. You know, we are, we are being funded by churches that's not why they're giving us that money, and, and we have a responsibility to, to, to use it properly. That doesn't mean that the churches that fund us don't want us to, to help people that are in need, yeah. but we also, and, and we're going to, you know, in, in, a, in a moment or two, 
uh, we're going to get to to one of the other sides of dependency. But that the reality is that dependency has a problem that runs in two directions. Mm-hmm. One side of dependency is the person who's making it available, the person who is who is causing the dependency by throwing into the mixture what is what is got everybody so excited. Mm-hmm. The other side is the person themselves. Right. They don't lack personal agency and and the ability to make choices or the ability to manage their own funds. I was talking to a guy in town yesterday or a day or so ago, and uh, he was telling me he, he just has no money. And I said, well, do you have a job? And he had, I was at his, his place of work, so I knew he had a job. And he said, well, yeah, I, I work here. And I said, they don't pay you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, well, yeah, they pay me. So what do you do with the money? I don't know. Yeah. You don't know what you do with the money? You don't know where it goes. Do you save any of it? Well, I try, but I'm like, well, mm-hmm. it, it, and so the, the problem is not that is, is not that he doesn't have money. I told him, you know, the Bible says there is profit in all labor. So if you're laboring, if you're working, there will be profit. Yeah. But then the other side of that coin is you have to manage the profit that you receive. And, and in the, in terms of a Ugandan working in downtown Masaka, he's not going to make a ton of money. But he's going to make enough money to live and function within right. within Masaka with no problem. Right. You've got to manage that money. Right. And the few Ugandans we meet that do manage that money, they do very well for themselves. Yeah. And the ones that we, the majority well, don't. And, and think about this. Even, even in a perfect situation in the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. all right, God still said, I want you to work. Sure. All right? There, there's something about, I was watching an interview the other day about what's going on in America with the you know, the government extending the, uh, the right, unemployment, unemployment benefits, benefits and, and things like this. And they're saying, and, and these are lost people that are understanding the fact that it's not a, it's not that we're not being compassionate and right. saying, Hey, you know, we want you to get off your couch and, and, and get out there and get a job. People say, well, that's racist or that's, you know, you're, you're not being kind of there, there, there is something about, working and providing for yourself yes. and providing for your family yes. that makes you a person of character. Right. And in the same way here, when when you do everything for them, they don't develop the character that they need to say, hey, I'm going to put on my own boots and I'm going to get to work. And whether or not the missionary helps or not, we're going to get this sure. done. And, sure. and we're going to, it might take us forever for, you know, four years to get it done, but we're going to get it done. And, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for guys who will say, hey, this is something that needs to be done. We're going to get it done. We're going to do it our way. And it's going to take some time to do it, but we're going to do it our way. And when I see that guys have a heart to get off their couch, get out of their house, quit trying to cry and say, we can't get it done, find a way to get it done. Those are the people that I want to step in and say, hey, you know what? Let me help you out with some cement. Let me help you out. They've got to, they've got to have that. uh, and, And I always hate to use the word, but they've got to have that pride that says, I've accomplished this right. and 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 I've done this right. and I didn't uh I didn't beg somebody to help me. I didn't beg somebody to to do it for me. This is what we did. Yeah. And and the churches, and then we go back to Pastor Sabanja. When I go to that church there in Embidizi, I see a church there, I helped them with the cement, I helped them with the iron sheets. But when I go to that church, it's their church. Amen. They have a love for God. They have a love for their pastor. Their 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 soul winning. Their evangelism is just unbelievable. That's exciting, and, and it's exciting. And and I can look at that and I can say, you know what? I was able to be a resource and help sure. them, but they did it. Right. And and that's the churches that when I leave, they're going to keep going yeah. because they don't need me. 
Yeah. All right? They've learned to trust in God. And it's it's just it's an incredible incredible thing because they they look at their place and they say this is what God did through us. Sure. And we did this. This is what our people did. Yeah. Every time I see Pastor Sabanja, he he just makes me smile cuz yeah. he, he's got that that just that happy, you know, nonchalant sweet spirit about him. Right. But then when he talks, he talks about 8,000 miles per hour. He does. <laughs> he does. Yeah. And and let me just tell you something else interesting. You know, you're talking about that verse, you know, where submit yourself unto such. All right, Pastor Sabanja started another church in Chazanga. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, they, they, they got their land. And uh, okay, what do we do? Do we go to the missionary? They never came to me one time. Amen. Pastor Sabanja said, make the bricks. Amen. And they made the bricks. And, uh, and, and, Without me telling, Pastor Sabanja's telling them to do that because they are seeing what Pastor Sabanja did and and seeing how it worked in there, and so they're building their own place. I'm not stepping foot there, sure. and they made, uh, the other day they told me they made ten thousand bricks, wow. and they're getting ready to lay the foundation, and so I sent them money for ten bags of cement, wow. and uh, and so it's just it's a blessing to see it not just with one, but starting to expand even to churches that these men are starting. And once again, and this is what I tell missionaries, the hardest thing for us to do as Americans is to fall into their timetable because we look in our pockets and we say, man, I could throw a $100 bill down here and get this done today. Mm -hmm. The way they're doing it's going to take six months. But But they they need need that. They need that six months because it it builds that character, builds that 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 independence that says we can do this, sure. they're going to do it their way. And again, even if I, if I came in there and I and I did everything for them and I leave, how are they going to right. teach other churches right. how to build churches and, well, they're, and they're do not things? Going to. They're gonna, not going. It's going to turn into a you know a, a charismatic you know free for all where they where you know it's all about it has nothing to do with Jesus Christ and and serving the Lord it's and, all about and reproducing. Money. It's yeah. just. We have a building now. We can do something with this and make money, or, or you know, it, it, it falls apart quickly if that the foundation you're talking about uh, in the people, not not right. the the building, but the people, is, is not properly, you know, established. And <clears throat> and it's a, it's so exciting to see when it's authentic and when it's real and when it is established, mm-hmm. and to see how sometimes they sometimes. You know, so there are a couple of guys here that that I've had the uh, chance of getting to know. Sometimes they make me feel ashamed of myself because yeah. they're because they have got it and yeah. they are serving the Lord and and they don't care if I'm there or not. They right. they have a desire to serve the Lord. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, we we just finished in May the TBI right. that we had here, and there was so much excitement to go out and and preach the gospel yes. and to disciple people and. It's and and we're of course we in June we went into lockdown and and a lot of that excitement I thought was going to be stifled but it doesn't it doesn't yeah. seem that it has mm-hmm. now it's been complicated but it doesn't seem that it's it's been it's dissipated or disappeared. the the organized structure has been set aside but the individual guys yes. are I mean we're still seeing people saved yes. every week and that you know I, I'm constantly I'm calling these guys like uh, a, a day or two ago I talked to Bombali he's supposed to come by and see me uh, Tuesday. And um, he was supposed to come on Monday, but he calls me. He says, "Brother, I can't come. I have so many people I'm discipling that I've got to catch up yeah. on, on yeah. things." And so, you know, it's 
the work goes fast on it. It's yeah. not stopping because right. we're in lockdown. Now we can't do it the way we would like, right. you know, and we can't do it the way that we traditionally would, would gather together and do things. We've, we've had to be a little more creative and, and mindful of the lockdown, but the work continues. Yeah. And that's a blessing. It is. That is extremely exciting to me. And and that tells me that should things fall apart tomorrow and we have to jet out of the country, the work of God will continue here and and it's going to, it's going to keep going on. Now that that's because the work that you've put in here, I I just kind of came in on the tail end of it. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. You ride the coattails. (laughs) You've been a great encouragement since you've been here to me personally, but also to our men because it's, you know, you, you, you get around an individual, all right? Uh, I've been here for several years, and you, you you sometimes, if without even realizing, sometimes you can get in a rut, and you need somebody to come along and say, hey, let's dig this rut up a little bit, and let's find if there's a different way of doing it. And I think that's what you've done since you've been here, and it's, it's helped our guys to see different ways. It's helped me. I mean, I've uh, you know, when, when you taught on the gospel and the simplicity of the gospel, I've used that so many times, uh, since, since our own TBI, uh, because it just, it makes soul winning so much more simpler and it, and it helps you deal with those people and they're able to see themselves for who they are in a much easier way, uh, than the way I've done it before, you know? So, so I think it's good to bring in fresh blood and, and, and bring in those ideas and learn and uh, and grow from each other, and so things that you've learned from me, uh, but I I've just learned as much from you, you know, in the short time you've been here, and uh, and it's it's been a blessing to see that uh, transfer over to the guys, yeah. and uh, and even up in Calido, the same same idea. You didn't teach up there, but I taught your notes up there, <laughs> and uh, and that same idea of of the gospel and getting out and preaching, and we're st- we're seeing people saved up there, and. And, uh, and, and how, so, how many churches are you working with up there again? Uh, 37, 37, 37 churches. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And you got, you're, you're building a house up there, a small, it's, it's not, I mean, it's a house, but it's a, yeah, well, I call it a mission yeah. department <laughs> yeah. because sometimes to here it's a house. Yeah, he's building a house, you know? That, so, no, that's, no, it's just a, it's a three room. It's a camping cabin. It's, it's a camping cabin is what it is basically. Yeah. And, uh, and so, but gives us, uh, it's enough for my family to stay and our team when we go up there. And, uh, and that way what we've got a place, we don't have to stay in hotels or up to this point, I've been staying in the truck, but I, you know, that's enough for myself and a couple guys, but, uh, not for my, family. But not for your family. And then, and, and it's a, uh, it took us what about eight hours when, when I went with you, but it seems like it's gotten worse. How, how long does it take you to get, it, from it takes here to about there seven now? hours, seven hours. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now the other day when we came back, um, it took us only five hours because the roads are clear. Roads are clear. There's yeah. no traffic. There's no taxis. Wow, and stuff I like could that. imagine that must have been and so surreal. I felt like I was flying. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you got in traffic. Yeah, and if it was miles. normal roads, I mean, it's only it's only 120 miles, right. and so on a typical normal road, yeah, it only like should take a, a couple, an hour and a half to <laughs> yeah. two hours, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but we felt like we were flying at five hours. So. Sure. Yeah. 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 That can be. That can make matters rough. You're trying to get something done for the Lord. You're trying to go all the way over there and help those guys because you got to go all the way over. You got to cross the Nile River and then get all the way up into the northeast side of the country. Or is that north or is that's more southern? It's isn't more it? east. southeast. They call it okay. east. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Kalido. And then get and there is a bridge. and then get malaria. Don't let him think that I'm crossing the Nile. <laughs> well, yeah, he has getting to fight on rafts. The he has to <laughs> he has to fend off the hippos. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Now, so that so then, kind of what we've laid out essentially is, and and this is probably contrary to most people's ideas about it. There are positives to dependency, and there are negatives to dependency. And so, the positives are when you find a group of people who say, "I I, I have been I have so come to understand the Word of God." You know, it's like the Ethiopian eunuch. It, he, uh, you know, Philip came along beside him and said, knowest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I, unless some man should guide me? Right. And so these people, he immediately recognized, okay, here's someone that can guide me into truth and help me become of the house of Stephanus instead of, you know, Judas <laughs> or, or some other, un, un, you know, seemly character from the Bible. But um, there, there, is, there are positives to them being dependent upon someone who is going to, essentially what you've laid out is that you, you so cared not only for their spiritual well-being, but their temporal well-being, you have helped them where it was proper to help them. You waited and identified areas where, where okay, I, I recognize physically speaking, spiritually they're sound, but physically speaking, they've gone as far as they can go. Now here's where I can step in and just give them a bump to get them to the next, yes. to the next level and then step back out. And let them continue, and so that's the balance that everybody in, in every part every part of the world where it's going to be a little bit different yeah. needs to figure out how to strike, right. and it's not so easy yeah. because exactly. you're going to have to put up with a measure of maybe even unhealthy dependence <clears throat> to some extent to help bring them along to the proper type of dependence when they. Well, again, another example, we have another church up in Nabiawanga, Pastor uh, Innocent mm-hmm. in Kuduziza. And again, I, I've, I've helped teach him. He's in our Bible college. I go there. We go soul-winning with him and everything. And uh, there, they had a pole structure that we, our church came with their people. We built a pole structure. Well, the wind blew the pole structure down, okay? And uh, they sent me a picture of it. I did not feel at that time that God was wanting me to go in there and do something about that. And, uh, and so the next thing I know is they're building, making bricks. <laughs> and, uh, and right on their property there, God gave them the property, so they started making bricks. And, uh, and they brought it up to the—they they, they built the bricks. They, they got the cement, everything. And so I go there, and— there's no doors or windows. There's no plaster on the walls. Uh, but they have put all of their effort, they put all of their sweat, their blood, everything into that. They took the old iron sheets that had fallen with the old structure, put yeah. it on the top of it, sealed the holes and everything, right. and uh, had a church in the state say, hey, you know, we want to help a church out. Mm-hmm. And I say, all right, here's a church that has, I've not done anything with that. Right. They have done it. Right. So let me help put doors and windows in their church. Amen. Uh, because, again, I'm just a channel, yeah. all right? God used this church in Texas to send that money, and I just channel that money to the to the places or to the men that are putting themselves into the ministry and building their ministries. And now they're, they've got doors and windows on their church so they don't have to carry their benches, you know, halfway across town because they're afraid people are going to steal them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, so it's just, a, again, just sitting back. And, again, the whole thing is time. All right, you, we cannot get in a hurry. 
We've got to sit back, yes. watch them, see what they're doing, see what they're capable of doing, and ask God for wisdom as to when the right time is to step in and, and give them a hand. Yeah. yeah, no, that's that. That's ultimately that. That seems to be the the answer to so many of our problems. It's just it just takes time. We do, and I thank the Lord that um, you said you've spent ten years of your life overseas. I've only spent ten years of my life in the states, mm-hmm. and uh, growing up as a missionary kid, military kid. Um, you know, and then being on the mission field myself, most of my life has been overseas. And so I think ingrained in me is kind of that idea that everything takes time. Sure. So I'm glad that I don't have a lot of that American it, it is hard to, thing it is that hard just, to break. you've got to yeah. get things done fast because and you've got to be able to write. So it, it, yeah. there's so much at our fingertips in America. I get, you know, so we've been remodeling this house that we're living in. Right. <laughs> you know, so we, we, we finally got a kitchen sink after what, four or five months. Uh-huh. We, we finally, my wife has been doing dishes in the bathtub yeah. and she has not complained, but, and I, but it was driving me crazy that she didn't have a sink. So we finally got it done. We finally got it installed. But of course, when they, when they initially prepared the wall where the sink's going to go, they put the, the drain as high as the sink. <laughs> So I had to call the plumber back over and the only solution to the types of houses that we live in here, get out of the wall. You have to, you have to take a chisel and a mallet and bang out a hole in, in the wall and rerun the pipe because everything is made of not only concrete. These houses were made in the 1950s. Yes. It is unbelievably hard concrete. Yes. So you had to chisel out a hole, run a whole new pipe so that we can, we can get the, the water run, there's no Home Depot. No. There's no Lowe's. (laughs) There's not even, there's not even an Ace Hardware, you know, on a smaller scale. There's, there is nothing like just running to, to Ace, to to Home Depot and saying, I need these 25 things. And they're all here in this one store. I can get it all at one time, take it home and get the job done. And, and then if I run, you know, if I find out I got the wrong part, I can just take it back, swap it and come right back and get back to work. And, and, that's where I came from. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so you talk about tempering your expectations. Yeah. It changes quite fast once yes, you get here and you and it you does. and you get settled and you realize. And then you go into lockdown, and they tell you you can't drive your vehicle, you can't take your family anywhere, you can take your motorcycle, but you can't have a a, a passenger. It right. just so now you're going out and trying to buy things to put it in a backpack. <laughs> I listen. I have in all of my life, I have never used a backpack and you talked me into buying a backpack. Yep. I am so glad you did Amen. because without that, I mean, I'm doing all the shopping, Being I'm doing right everything, yeah. you know, on the motorcycle, you know, and without, I mean, I, I put in 20 kilos of laundry soap the other day in my backpack, yeah. you know, just, and, uh, you know, so I'm glad that you influenced me in that regard, but, uh, but yeah, everything's having to be carried. Oh, you know, if, now. if, uh, who, who would have imagined just a couple of months ago that we'd be in a situation right now where if you didn't have a backpack and a, and a, and a motorcycle, yeah. you, you'd just be stuck. Yeah. Well, my sister is that way. She has to walk everywhere yeah. she goes. Well, I, I, I did offer to, you know, go to town for her, but she didn't want any help. So, <laughs> <clears throat> you know, these uh, independent women. Yes. You know? <laughs> uh, all right. So now the other side of the coin, self-reliance. How would you define a church? And, and of course, by self-reliant, we don't mean 
they lack reliance on God. We mean right. uh, there should be a healthy dependence on the missionary, a healthy dependence. Yeah. But at some point, maybe that dependence should completely break and that church should be able to just, like Pastor Sabanja, right. I mean, for the most part, he doesn't need any any assistance. Right. He's right. he's off and running. Yeah. And and like you said, if we if you left tomorrow and never had any more contact with that church, that work's mm-hmm. going to continue on. Yes. Um, how would how do you define a church that has become self reliant and no longer dependent? Well, one of the biggest things that we find here, th- there's two things that fight that fight against self reliance. Number one is the idea and, and it's a it's a pentecostal charismatic idea that the pastor has to be rich okay right. he has to have a car he has to have all this kind of stuff and so a lot of times that's the standard so the first thing that i try to teach the guys is listen if you're working in the village you are not going to make as much as a pastor as that someone in town would and someone in town is not going to make as much as someone in the city would mm-hmm. So you've got to get that in your mind first. When you teach your people to give their tithes and their offerings, they are going to give in accordance to what they're making in that area, and so you have to expect that that's what you're going to get. And uh, and so that's the first thing I've got to teach them is in order for you to be self-reliant, in order for the church to be able to take care of you and the church take care of itself, you've got to understand the situation in which you are living. Okay, You are living in this particular area. And, and so don't expect your offerings to be from another area, okay? So you've got to live within your means. Right. And, and so that's the first thing that I try to teach them is live within your means. What, what are your offerings? What are your offerings being used for? Uh, I try to help them set up a uh, some type of a percentage budget, yes. you know, so that uh, from the very beginning, something's going to help the pastor, something is going to help buy psalm books or whatever they're using it for. Uh, but trying to help them set up that 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 percentage budget, uh, so that's that's the first thing we've got to do. Uh, then the second thing we've got to get them to do is understand that they are. I try to look for ways to help them. For example, one of the biggest things is, you know, where's a pastor going to stay? All right, and let's so let's go back to Pastor Sabanja. Pastor Sabanja says, "All right." Um, Man, I know God's called me here. I'm not moving. And so Pastor Sabanja bought some land, and he started building his house. All right. Well, he's paying, you know, a couple hundred thousand shillings rent, which is about you know fifty, sixty bucks right. a month. Right. So I'm thinking, all right, to help this church be more self reliant, it would be much better to have help him have a place to stay. Mm-hmm. So I looked at that situation. I said, all right, he's not asked me for anything. He's already built his house up. To I mean, I've been there. I've seen the the bricks and everything. So why don't I help him with iron sheets to get his house finished so he and his family have a place to stay? They don't have to pay that rent, so the church doesn't have to take care of that expenses. And so looking for ways to help them, maybe not church-wise, but on their everyday living side sure. so that maybe uh you know invest and say all right I, I did this with a man the other day one of the pastors you know uh where he's he's doing a great job and uh, i said all right you know i talked to pastor zabanja how can this man be helped so that he is more self-reliant well if he had a a piece of land that he could grow crops on i said well how much would that be he says well about three hundred dollars i said all right so i want you i'm going to give you the 300 you go buy the land 
and uh, put it in your name and so that he can grow crops on that land and be able to take care of himself. And so, again, just looking for ways so that, again, they're not having to look on being dependent on somebody else, but they're relying and again, like you said, I understand that they, they're relying on God, but God wants us to work, sure, and God wants sure. us to provide for ourselves, and right. so they're able to rely upon themselves. And so again, these men are able to plant their crops, they're able to dig in their gardens, they're able to do this stuff, and they're not having to look out and say, man, I need to feed my family, right. but I don't have anything to feed them, so let me call the missionary and see if he's got some food. Uh, we're giving them a way to be self-reliant. Right. So I, I guess that's what I don't know if that's what you were looking yeah, for, no, no, but no, that's that, kind that, of what. Well, uh, you what know, I've actually, tried that that I mean that that encompasses even I think even broader than the idea that I had in mind because when you when you go back to Pastor Sabanja and and the situation with his house and helping him to identify, I mean, when I think about that, when I, as I was hearing you explain that in my mind, I was thinking the experience that must have given him, not not that you know, oh, the, the, the missionary helped me, but to, to be able to sit down with him and help him recognize, do you see that, okay, you're building a house, which is good. That's going to help eventually alleviate this expense. Right. But right now this expense is weighing you and your church down mm-hmm. do, and it, and it will help him experientially to recognize areas where, you know, we, of course we need to rent this house, but how can we get rid of this expense right. and move into a situation where, right. where we're more independent and, yeah. and not, and not, uh, forcing the church or, or ourselves to have to incur these expen- unnecessary expenses. Right. And so uh, it, it, Ugandans don't think that way yeah. o- overall, you know, they, right. they don't, they don't necessarily consider those things and, and, um, and everything why, is short term. Yes, Nothing is very short term and, and very self-centered that that is an overwhelming characteristic of the population here. It's, you know, and, and it's, it's seen in its most real form when they're driving. <laughs> if if they can fit the object they're driving into a crevice and get ahead just yeah. two inches, yeah. they're going to do it yeah. because yeah. I want to be right here, right now. Yeah. And and that's how they that's indicative of how they live their lives in, in many ways. Right. And again, you know, not all Ugandans. We do we do come across uh, Ugandans who who have transcended that and 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 live in a more responsible long-term manner, but it is rare. And, and, and so these are principles that a situation like that may have been so eye opening Mm -hmm. for, for, for that man. And then he can go on and and take that same situation and apply it to the churches as he's, that he's helped to start. And it, and it, and it adds to the idea of being self-reliant and, and churches, you know, so when it comes to independent Baptist churches, which is who we associate with, I don't know that the Bible would have us be as independent as our churches are, though there are clear lines of division between local assemblies. Mm -hmm. And so self-reliance, that church should be able to stand and fall on its own. But every church everywhere in the world at some point needs help, needs fellowship, Mm -hmm. needs needs a little boost from from others. That's why our, our independent Baptist churches they are consumed with Bible conferences and missions conferences where people from other churches are coming in and doing something to be a blessing to that church and a help to that church. You know, so while we're independent and we stand and fall as an individual church on our own, we're not without reliance on other churches and certainly not without reliance on God. If, 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 if the idea is not to be reliant on God, then you're, 
the whole thing is a farce from the beginning. Right. And so, but with self-reliance, there's also, that sounds, you know, when you, when you put dependence across from self-reliance, it sounds like a positive and negative. But like we saw with dependence, it's not always negative right. and, and it's not always positive. And the same is true with self-reliance. You can become so self-reliant that you isolate yourself right. And nobody can do anything for you or help you. And, and something's going to come along where you need yes. you need another church. Yeah. You need a missionary. You need another pastor. You need someone who can come in and help fix a situation that, that locally you've just not been able to take right. care of. Right. And so have you come across churches in Uganda that have become so self-reliant, gone so far in that direction that you could do nothing to help them? Whether their end goal, whether their end state was was godly or ungodly, whether it was moving in a godly direction or an ungodly direction, is that something that you've had to deal with or or what? No, I don't I don't think I've ever had um Is that just I've, an American church? I problem? think so, yeah. Um most of the time here they're willing to accept yes, help. Yes, you know, yes. so I've I've not had I've not had a church that uh has gone on that end of the spectrum. Pretty much they're the ones I've dealt with are the other end of the yeah. spectrum where they're too much, you know, and so you have to you know, rein them in a little bit as far as the, uh, you know, asking and the needs and stuff like that. So, okay. So, you know, to, to kind of wrap it up, um, as a missionary, what is your end goal when, in terms of dependence and self-reliance, what is your aim? What is the end goal? And again, this may not be prescriptive to everybody in the world, but, but generally speaking, what is the goal? My end goal is, to leave, and I know this sounds clicheic, sure. to leave and everything continue, right. okay? I don't want them depending upon me in such a way that when I'm gone, and, and that's why I back up a little bit to things that I've learned the hard way. One of the hardest things that I've had to overcome is pastoring these churches, right. okay? Right. And I've encouraged guys, I've encouraged you when you come here, don't pastor a church. Right. Find a church that is you know, already in existence, find a man that has a desire to start a church, work with them, work alongside of them, but don't pastor it. All right. Because again, once you start pastoring that church, there comes in that bad sort of dependency. And it's not fair for the man following you to, I mean, you, 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 there's a church right now I'm thinking of in Texas that just sent me a letter there changing pastors. And the, the pastor is a good pastor. And, and as a matter of fact, he's going to be staying there helping the new pastor come along. But you know how hard it is in America, just having a man who's done it a certain way yes. and then bringing in somebody else that does right. it a different way. And it caused big waves. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Now you take that same thing and compound it a hundred times because you've got a missionary with a Western mentality that is doing things with Western resources, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then you try to hand that over to a national who doesn't have that mentality and who doesn't have those resources, sure. and it's a huge letdown right. to the people. And so I think what we're doing is we're hurting our churches in many ways by coming in and pastoring and leading these churches when we should be letting the guys do it. And again, another thing that comes in is that time. Right. We don't like to take the time. Sure. And so... So my goal is to say, all right, when I and – and I'll just be perfectly honest with you. If there's one church right now that I feel that would fall when we leave, it's our town church, wow. all right? Because 
it has been the one that has been most influenced and most dependent, dependent on, you. on me. Yeah. All right. So I've already told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm going to do everything <clears throat> I can. We've got a great pastor in charge right now, and I'm hoping and praying that he can keep it going and the people will follow him and follow his leadership. And I've been doing everything I can to point people in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm perfectly willing, and I know this sounds bad, but I'm perfectly willing to take this church as a loss, mm-hmm. all right? Even if I lose all the buildings, the property, I'm willing to take it as a loss. If I can, I've got nine churches around here. I've got 37 churches up there. If I can work with these village churches and teach them to trust the Lord, teach them not to depend upon me, then I can leave and know that there's 40-some churches yeah. that are continuing on serving the Lord, doing <clears throat> things right, and and following in the way that God wants them to go. I feel that I've been successful, all right? I've I've seen missionaries that come over and they've done it the fast way and right. they leave right. and either the churches die or in order for them to survive they have to revert to Pentecostalism because everything's about money. Sure. And so that that to me would be the greatest grievance if if I as a missionary go home for whatever reason and and then I look back and I realize I've spent 25 years here, but I, there's no churches continuing. Right. And, and so, to, to what to, so to what extent? I, I get that, and, and I think there are probably some some there should be some maybe philosophical discussion about the idea of should we be measuring our long term success or how do we measure our long term success based upon what's left behind because there's so much at play in what gets left behind. Um, <clears throat> there's the continuation of the people themselves, whether they're going to stick with it long-term or not, regardless of what you've taught them and what yeah. you've shown them. Right. There's, I mean, there's just so many different measures that would go, that would factor into that. To what extent should a missionary look at what's left behind after they leave as a measure of their, if you want to put it that way, overall well, success? Well, again, Think about raising children, all right? I've got six children. Mm-hmm. I've My wife and I did our level best to raise them, to love the <clears> Lord, <throat> to serve the Lord, to be faithful to church. And at this point, they are continuing. Mm-hmm. But what if one of my children decides to go off, sure. okay? There's nothing I can do about that. Right. It grieves my heart. It breaks my heart, but there's nothing I can do. And so at some point, we have to say, Lord, I have done the best that I can right. With, with your help right. to train these leaders and train these pastors and so that when I leave, they can continue on. And, Lord, if one of them decides to go off in a false doctrine or closes the church, there's nothing I can do about that. I can't feel like I've failed. Uh, you know, the, the Bible talks about, um, you know, when he, I think it's in the book of Jeremiah, when he's the, he said Israel has this proverb where you know the children's, you know the fathers have drunk the 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 wine, right. but it's affecting the children's teeth, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and so the whole idea of that chapter is God is saying, listen, I am not going to hold the father responsible for the decision the son makes. Right. And so that's something that we, as not only fathers but as missionaries, we've got to do the best that we can, and we've got to do take ask God for wisdom every day, and and pour ourselves into these guys and do everything we can to train leadership. But in the ultimate end, it's got to be their choice. They have to make their choice of what direction they're going to go uh, because 
when you're there, when you're not there and your influence is not there, you're going to find out whether it was they were just doing it to please you or they're just doing it uh, or if they're doing it because they truly love the Lord. Right, right. And so, so I think a lot of, uh, sadly, I think many times as missionaries, you don't really know the full right. product of what you've done until you do leave. Sure. Uh, and you see what it is that continues on. Right. And you've kind of used, in recent years, you've kind of used your furloughs as a, as a measure to yes. some extent of that. Yes, and, uh, they, and they do prove a lot of things. because, and, and the other thing that I've done is the men that I know that I do trust, I've used them many times to go to these churches, uh, sometimes just showing up. Um, going out, sometimes I won't go. I'll send those guys because those guys know mm-hmm. on the ground what's 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 happening, right. and they've been able to give me a lot of wisdom. You, <clears throat> you and I know about a situation, a church up in uh, uh, up in the hills up right. there, and uh, where a guy on the outside knows good English. He's educated. He's yeah. he's very personable guy. He played the game. He played the game. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and he's one of those guys that that has the land and. I challenged him to make the bricks and uh, and and just wouldn't do it. He wanted us to do everything for him. And by my guys going up there and being on the ground and found out f- for who he was, it really helped us to make some decisions, sure. say, hey, we need to pull back sure. uh, from this guy. And so we, we you do the—the the Bible says at our best we're still men. Right. And so we do our best, and, and we, we ask God for wisdom. We ask God for the leading of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, I look at Paul. You know, I, I say, you know what? Jesus had his Judas, and yes. Paul had his Corinth. Yes. And you, you, you do your level best, but there's always going to be a church that doesn't do what <clears throat> Well, well do. Paul, Paul had men forsake him. Paul and his ministry partner, Barnabas, you know, got into it, and, yeah. and we, we don't see any real evidence of them ever <laughs> clearing that right, up. Right. And then the situation with—I mean, it just—there there, there is— those are the hard aspects of the Bible. And, and that's, this is where when people get so dogmatic about what I would do and how I do it. And, and um, the reality is even in the Bible, you know, so I, I was in a situation once, you know, my, my, one of my close friends is Lee Cadenhead. And um, I was talking to him about the situation where myself and a, another Christian were just, we were having difficulties. We'll put mm-hmm. it that way. And, um, and he said something that I had not thought about. He said, all of that, the difficulties between people in positions of leadership within ministry, they were having trouble. Mm-hmm. They were they had issues. Now we we just don't really major on those things when we're when we're uh, thinking about missions and when we're thinking about uh, you know what the apostle Paul accomplished. I mean, he ended his life. The Lord told him, "Don't go to Jerusalem," and he went anyways, and yeah. ended up you know in a prison in Rome. Right. You know so. <clears throat> It's not, that's where, that's where I would think even to some extent, of course, what you leave behind is going to be a measure of, of what you did. I mean, it's just, it's just, that's just the way it is. (laughs) It's legacy. It is, it is, but it's almost an unfair measure, excuse me, in some ways because (laughs) human beings are involved. (laughs) And so, um, you know, when you left, if you did. You gave you gave your all, and you and you tried to do it in a way that would honor and glorify Jesus Christ, not yourself. Mm-hmm. And and it's so easy; it would be so easy to show up here in Uganda with the finances I received from America 
and buy off Ugandans and yeah. send back pretty prayer letters yeah. and 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 all the all the things that if I wanted to play the game like the guy we were just talking about when we when Kristen and I <clears throat> came in 2016 we spent a little time in Kampala and we met this young guy who was a, what I would call a charlatan in training. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I knew that, but I spent some time with him anyways, just to see, I was hoping maybe he would, you know, forsake his wicked ways right. and, <clears throat> and consider being, and consider learning the Bible. Uh, but it, it's just at the, he has gotten to a pretty high level in the world of charlatans. He's, yeah. he's got the book out. He's, he's a Ugandan. He, he has a photographer who takes pictures of him all the time. I mean, he, he's a smooth talker. I mean, he's really got it down. Well, he went street preaching with us when we were here and he'd never seen that. It really seemed to have an impact on him. And I was hopeful that, that, that when we came back, he and I could maybe sit down and, and, and work some things out. Well, when we left, uh, after a couple months after we left, I got a message from one of our church members back in Florida on Facebook saying that he was sending messages to everyone, telling them that he had an orphanage that burned down. Mm. He doesn't have an orphanage. Yes. Yeah. He, he doesn't, doesn't have anything to do with children whatsoever, but that's an easy moneymaker yeah. in the third world. Yeah. And that kind of thing, that's, that's where I already have a temperament to where I want that space and that distance and that lack of dependence. Mm-hmm. And then something like that just drives me over the edge. So. Right. He and I had a heart to heart about emailing people that I know, and yeah. and, and I've had to do that same thing with guys, money. you know, yeah. with the same guy we were talking about. I mean, he was, you know, he, he would he would come and take pictures of our ministry here and put it on his <laughs> website, you know, and it was just just crazy stuff. But and I would encourage anyone, and again, we're we're not opposed to helping, and there are definitely people who need help. But fi- before you send your money. You know, make yes. sure someone yes. checks it out. I mean, I've got I've got a, a man right now who texted me who wants to help a, an orphanage that's in Embadada. Well, I can't get there right now, but I told him I said after the lockdown I'd be willing to send a couple guys to check it out. Just looking at what I'm understanding, it's not independent Baptist by any means, but you know, at least we can check it out sure. to find out what they're doing. Sure. But yeah, there's the letters and the sob stories and and the things that and and you know. As, as bad as America is getting, we still are a very giving people. Yes, absolutely. And, and people see those things and they say, man, I can give and help that person. But many times, if we're not careful, we're going to be either misusing the funds that we have yes. or we're helping somebody in a situation. I've, I've told guys, people have emailed me from the States and said, hey, this guy sent me an email what should I do here? And I write him back and I said, listen, if I was you, I wouldn't send him any money. Right. And, uh, you know, because he's not serving the Lord, he's not doing this right now. If you just want to be a benevolent person and, but if, if you're looking for someone who's serving the Lord, sure. uh, and, he and, might and, be and telling that, and that's you the key. What different. is, what is the end goal? Are you trying to facilitate a situation where a people are produced that want to serve Jesus Christ? Or do you just want to help some children? Right. Because that's two very different end goals. Yeah. And, and that, that needs to be, that needs to be brought into the picture. Right. You know, what are you trying to accomplish? There's a lady right now that has, she sent me an email. I need to respond to it. I'm afraid she's gotten herself into helping a young man who's enjoying the help. (laughs) And, um, you know, she sent me an email about his goals. None of it had anything to do with Jesus Christ. It was all about him 
making money and and finding a job and and doing all these things, which you know, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Yeah. But that's not, you know, what it, what is your aim? Yeah, is, is your aim to help this young man come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to live a victorious Christian life, right. and then maybe even go on to reproduce that in others? Or do you, are you, like you said, are you just a benevolent person who just wants to help them? And, and I would encourage people to, if, if, if you want to be benevolent and you want to help somebody out, find someone who's serving the Lord, someone who's furthering the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and invest in them. I would rather put my money in them because they're going to be able to go out and win souls for yes. Christ than just to be benevolent to someone who's just going to put money in their pocket and live like the devil, you know? Right. And, uh, so, uh, so I would, yeah, definitely, uh, if you're wanting to do something like that, check, just talk to a missionary and just say, could you check this out for me? Or could you call this person, send somebody, check it out. Uh, because we want, again, going back to the dependency thing, we don't want them to be dependent, but people do need help. There's times you and I need help. And, and, and I want people, if God's put something on their heart to help them out, but you want to make sure that that money is going for the purpose and, and, and the goals that you have for that, you know, for that money. So. Amen. Well, well, that's this first segment in the books on dependence versus self-reliance. And I've enjoyed it. I hope you have and would like to continue doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. And we may touch on this topic one or two more times. I don't want to overdo it, but it's a very it's a very important topic. And I think it, it's a detail that that has the potential to, to cause, if you get the balance right between dependence and self-reliance, it has the potential to cause the legacy that missionaries leave behind to stand or fall Yes, long-term. And, and, and it's, you got to think, you got to think about it and start putting things in place to, 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 to strike that proper balance. And so I appreciate you taking the time to talk. I've enjoyed it. it. I've enjoyed it. We'll do it again next month. And Hopefully nobody hates it. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening and God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast.